Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. The New York Islanders looking to advance to the second round and looking good to do so. 4.13 left in the second period. The Islanders up 5-3 on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Five goals on 18 shots against former Oil Kings goalie Tristan Jari in that one for the Islanders. They're up three games to two in the series. Coming up later, well, starting in just a few minutes, actually, Panthers and Lightning. The Lightning are at home with a chance to win the series. They have a 3-2 lead, and the Golden Knights are visiting the Minnesota Wild. They'll face off there in about an hour. Vegas with a 3-2 lead, though they did miss an opportunity to wrap it up at home a couple of days ago. The Canadians and the Leafs will resume that series tomorrow. The Leafs looking very good. They're in control with a 3-1 lead. Montreal not getting much going. We'll touch on that series a bit later on tonight with Kelly Rudy. Ken Holland, the GM, President of Hockey Operations for your Edmonton Oilers, spoke extensively today. We will go over some of the highlights of uh, his remarks and we'll dive a little deeper into them. You know, I don't want to alarm you, but I was doing some thinking. I know, I know, it's dangerous sometimes when I do that. And by the way, if you've been thinking and you want to share those thoughts, you're welcome to do so on the hotline presented by CertainTeed, professional-grade building materials, 780-496-0063. There's still a lot of ruminating over the Edmonton Oilers season and being unable to win a playoff game against the Winnipeg Jets and all those close losses and the team's shortcomings and where do they go from here and all that kind of stuff. And uh, you heard some really good uh, good thoughts on the show yesterday for sure. So if uh, something's bouncing around in your brain, you can, you can tell me and we can discuss it. But I'll tell you what's been bouncing around in my brain. And it's, it's not on Ken Holland. It's not on Dave Tippett. And quite frankly, it's not on most of the players on the team. But as you all know, there was a long period of time where the Oilers stunk and they didn't make the playoffs. And they weren't even close to making the playoffs. The good old decade of darkness, we call it. Ten years in a row out of the playoffs. Eight of those years, like, distantly out of the playoffs. And then they got in and it looked like things were going okay. And then they uh, fell back out of the postseason again for a couple of years and, and didn't look very good. And now they've been in two years in a row and two consecutive first-round disappointments. So where I'm going with this is I remember Rob Brown and I talking both off-air and on-air, and I'm, I'm pretty sure it was during the 14-15 season. So it was still at Rexall Place, would have been the second-last season there. And it was before the Oilers won the draft lottery and earned the right to take Connor McDavid in Sunrise, Florida in June of 2015. And it was another year where the team was going to miss the playoffs by a wide margin. And there were more holes in the lineup than there were good things about the lineup. And there's been all the multiple coaching changes and GMs who couldn't make the right moves and all that kind of stuff. And Rob and I started talking, okay, for them just to be a playoff team, 
for just just to be a playoff team. Now again, this was this was six seven years ago, but I, I remember Rob and I going through the roster and talking about the players and what they needed, and we conservatively said, and this was a team that you know did have some some good guys. Hall was on the team, a young Nuge was on the team, you know, Everly was on the team. Uh, but we conservatively said that the Oilers probably needed 10 new players to even be a team that could compete for a playoff spot. So we're talking from going like 29th, 30th overall to, well, hopefully 16th. And then we said, but more likely you probably needed 14 new players. I mean, that, that was the state of the roster and, and, and where the team was at and and how poorly they drafted and traded and signed guys and all that kind of stuff. And hey, you know, along the way, sure, there 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 were some good players, but the roster as a whole, you looked how they were getting beat most of the time, night after night. It's like, yeah, you probably need 10 to 14 upgrades. You basically two-thirds of the roster would need to be upgraded. And that all can't happen overnight. So that has me thinking here over the last couple of days since the Oilers were eliminated and looking at the roster and the holes on the roster. And we know what those holes are, and we'll discuss them tonight and Ken Holland address some of them specifically and, and some of the question marks and free agents he has to deal with in the summer. But looking at this roster, I thought, okay, and I, and I touched on this a little bit last night. The Oilers have finished 12th overall, 11th overall the last two years. Now, granted, I know you can say, well, both both seasons were uh, shortened, more so this year, and, and this year was only playing in one division. But I still think kind of, you know, in that neighborhood of 11th overall is fair. I know it's speculating. It's hard to totally uh, prove, I suppose, a, a what if or, or speculation. But I think given what we saw last season and given how the team was this year, yeah, they probably would finish, would have finished around 11th overall if they'd played everybody in the entire league. I know what you're saying. Well, they beat Ottawa a lot. They what beat Vancouver six out of 10. I think they beat Calgary six out of 10. But sure, if you're not playing those teams 10 times, you, you still would have played some other teams along the way that you probably could have beat. And you probably would have had struggles against the, some of the higher end teams in the league. So I look at it as the Oilers are kind of in the second tier of teams in the National Hockey League. And I put them in four tiers. You got the elite, the perennial Stanley Cup contenders, the teams with very few holes in their lineup that look like they are always ready to go on a playoff run. I think second-tier teams have good rosters, have good players, probably have two, maybe three pretty definitive holes. And you could say, hey, they're good enough. Like, they're good enough to maybe win or maybe go deep, but they, they need some bounces and some exceptional performances along the way. You need a hot goaltender. You need maybe a depth player to step up and have an incredible shooting percentage for a couple of months, those types of things. That's where I put the Oilers. And I think, you know, 11th out of 31 teams, personally, I think that's fair. So how do you become a higher tier team? How do you join the elite? How many players away are they? I would say, in my mind, probably six. And to me, that's still significant. Maybe, maybe like, I guess six as a number doesn't sound like a huge number. Um, and it's certainly less than needing 14 new players six or seven years ago just to become a playoff team, like just to barely make the playoffs. Uh, 
But I, I think that's fair. I, I think that you look at the Oilers roster, they, they had some depth players who were good at their jobs. They could check. They could kill penalties. They didn't really score. They have fourth-line players. I think up front, we know what they need. They need a winger who can score, who can snipe goals, who can finish plays for McDavid and or Dreisaitl and or Nugent Hopkins if he's around, and we'll get to that in a second. Third-line center, massive hole, and then I still think you need some other winger that can score at least to some extent and hopefully can check to some extent. So say those are the three forwards. Defensively, you'd like a bigger guy with a big wingspan who can bruise a little bit. Uh, I mean, I guess a better version of Dmitry Kulikov, who I think gave you what he had here in the postseason. I, I doubt he would be back next season. Maybe somebody else on the blue line. And even though Mike Smith had a really good year, and it looks like he's going to be back based on what Ken Holland said today, they still don't really have a franchise goaltender. Could there be one in development? Maybe. Maybe it's Stuart Skinner. Maybe it's Olivier Rodrigue. Maybe it's Ilya Konovalov from the uh, KHL. Maybe it's somebody like that. And that's going to be, those spots, in my mind, are going to be the hardest ones to fill. Because now this is going that last couple of steps, hopefully, hopefully, to be an excellent team and for an extended period of time. And that's going to be Ken Holland's challenge is getting the right players to do those jobs. I, again, I think one of his best moves was a non-move. He didn't trade Jesse Pugliarvi. Pugliarvi came back. There is a winger who's going to help based on what he did this year. Hopefully he's going to keep getting even better. Third line center, Kyle Turris. Well, no way. Dominic Cahoon, support winger who can score a little bit. Didn't look like it most of the season and was scratched the two most important games of the year at the end. I don't know if he's going to be brought back. He's an RFA, so the Oilers will have some control over that. So to me, that's now the intrigue surrounding a team. I, I don't think they're going to fall back off and go back down to like 25th or 26th next season. I think McDavid and Dreisaitl are probably, like, I don't think they've peaked. I think they can still improve, and I think the window for them being excellent players is still going to go on for quite a while. But how do you fill those other positions to go from good to great? And I think taking that last step to excellence is, is the hardest step probably in any sport, maybe in any profession or thing you want to pursue in life. You know, if you're a golfer who's finishing 60 and 60th in every tournament, you can probably shave a couple strokes off by working hard and start finishing 10th to 15th in a lot of tournaments. But you want to win a major, you want to be top five every weekend, that's the harder step. And I think that's where the Oilers are at right now. We'll get to some of Ken Holland's comments. You'll hear what Ethan Bear had to say today as well. You're welcome to check in at 780-496-0063. It's Inside Sports on Chet. Four 
former line mate of Connor McDavid, Patrick Maroon, has scored for the Tampa Bay Lightning, his first of the playoffs at 6-16 of the first period. Now about nine minutes into the opening frame, Lightning leading the Panthers 1-0. 780-496-0063. Doug has dialed in tonight. Good evening, Doug. Go ahead. Hey, Reed. How you doing? Good. Good, good. Hey, listen, uh, talking, uh, listening to uh, Holland's comments today and whatnot, and a lot of sense uh, came out of it. It looks like he's taking a, a, a good, solid approach, a look at what he has to do. Uh, when he was asked directly about Nuge, it's kind of, you know, 50-50 in the air. They're going to talk, they're going to chat, they're going to do this, they're going to do that. And I know throughout the year a lot of fans, and, and I have to admit I'm one of them. Uh, I like Nuge, don't get me wrong. But there's a lot of times he left me wanting more. And I'm thinking to myself, gee whiz, what could you take that five or six million and put it towards what that would improve the team in that winger area with either Connor or with uh, uh, Drysdale, right? But then at the sake, uh, I catch myself thinking, we've been pretty lucky the last year or two. But what happens going to next year? What happens if you lose either Drysdale or or? or, or uh, Connor to an injury for what 10 15 20 games now what now what do you put in that center slot do you are Kara you know what I'm saying uh, so you have to look at it from all angles uh, the money you put into Nuge he, he's sort of like that Swiss army knife to a degree can do a little bit of everything for you so still not sure where they're going to go with this eh no, I'm not either. And I'm going to get to a clip that uh, actually Holland gave a very good clip to Bob today on Oilers Now. And look, Nuge has been here 10 years. I don't think anybody dislikes him. I think a lot of people respect that he was here through some awful seasons that weren't any, any fault of his own. And they've enjoyed he's had some individual and team success lately, at least getting into the playoffs uh, three times now in his career. Yeah, if... The year he had five on five was was not a good year by his standards. He still helps the power play and he still helps killing penalties. I understand what Doug is saying though. If you took six million dollars and gave four million dollars to a sniping winger and you know million and a half or two million dollars to a depth guy who could take some faceoffs and and kill penalties, do you cover off a couple of holes that way? Uh, with with two players instead of one. That's the big question for Ken Holland. Here's what Holland said to Bob today. He was on Oilers now between 1230 and 1. Uh, and, And Bob phrased the question this way, that could a Ryan Nugent Hopkins deal hurt a little bit for both sides? Well, those those are the best deals, you know. When 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 both sides uh, both sides don't like the deal, uh, but can live with the deal, and uh, those 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 historically for me are the the best deals. Obviously, my uh, I'm hoping we can find a solution to uh, to keep Nuge Nuge here, and and then uh, keep him a part of the part of the group, and then and then and then have some cap a little cap space left to go out and try to try to try to uh, bring in another player or two. You know, if I were to interpret that and based on things Ryan Nugent Hopkins has said and things Ken Holland has, has said is is that I would I, I would think if I if I had to bet right now that Ryan Nugent Hopkins would be back, but I, I don't know if he's getting a race. And maybe that's kind of what Holland is saying that okay, Nuge, you've made this in the past, but we need to lock you in at that amount because I because I, I gotta get some other guys here to help out 
in other areas of the team. Th- this is an interesting one, and I think maybe for some of you anyway, you, that your heart is involved because because you like the player, and if the Oilers win, uh, you'd like to see him around. we got plenty of time for open line, 780-496-0063. More of Ken Holland's comments, Ethan Bear's statement today as well, all ahead on Inside Sports. talk about restrictions being lifted and what's going to happen no mention of when we can resume our canned ham deliveries to podcast subscribers my goodness uh anyway after two periods the islanders lead the penguins 5-3 five minutes left in the first period lightning up one nothing on the panthers the teams leading those games also lead their series three games to two so are looking to advance tonight golden knights and wild start in about half an hour that's a 3-2 series lead for the Vegas Golden Knights. American Hockey League action, the Bakersfield Condors playing the Henderson Silver Knights tonight. Game one of a best of three Pacific Division final. That's the end of the season for the league because the Pacific Division, the only team to decide, the only division to decide to have playoffs. So a best of three there. Bakersfield taking on the Henderson Silver Knights. Henderson coached by Edmonton native and former Oilers assistant coach Manny Viviros. The Blue Jays uh, postponed today against the Yankees, so doubleheader tomorrow. Basketball playoffs early in the third quarter. Philly up 80-61 on the Wizards. And the Hawks lead the New York Knicks. The Knickerbockers, 40-37 with about four and a half minutes left in the second quarter. Grizzlies and Jazz. A little bit later on, two teams that have changed cities. Kellen Kennedy, do you remember the uh, where the Memphis Grizzlies played before they were in Memphis? Yes, Vancouver. And do you know where the Utah Jazz played before they were in Utah? New Orleans. The New Orleans Jazz. Is that the most, uh, like I, I don't mean inappropriate in terms of offensive, obviously, but is that the, the most inappropriate name in, in pro sports? in terms of uh, representing the area. I mean, I guess L.A. Lakers isn't great. Yeah, unless there's not very many lakes unless, around L.A. Unless, unless the, they just consider, well, the ocean's kind of like a big lake. Obviously, they were the Minneapolis Lakers, lots of lakes in the state mm, of Minnesota. Yeah. Uh, Utah, not known for its jazz, certainly not to the extent New Orleans is, as, as far as I know. Right. I guess Grizzlies, you could be Grizzlies anywhere. They, by My high school team, good old Grand Trunk High School in Evansburg, we were the Grizzlies. Mm-hmm. And we were one of the schools that had a uh, the boys and girls teams had different names. Uh, of course, here the U of A has the Golden Bears and the Pandas. Right. Uh, when I, I I don't I, I don't I don't know if they've changed it. I feel like nowadays this wouldn't necessarily be uh, overly accepted, perhaps. But the Grand Trunk boys were the Grizzlies, and the girls were the the Teddies. A much less aggressive name. I don't know why they just couldn't have all been Grizzlies, but maybe, maybe they are now. I don't know if they've changed it or not. Anyway, uh, Grizzlies and Jazz coming up later. Now I want to watch that game. I haven't watched either team all year. <laughs> all right. 780-496-0063. Remember, we want you to hit the links with 630 Chet and the Ranch Golf and Country Club this summer. It's a championship caliber course. It is open. You can go to the 630 Shed contest page for details and enter there. You can uh, win a pair of golf passes 
to the Ranch Golf and Country Club. I have yet to golf this year. I hopefully will rectify that in the next, uh, well, three to 10 days, depending on what happens. And if I uh, have any friends that will still golf with me, we'll see. Have to bug Quinn Phillips, I guess. See if we can get out for a round or two. She's much better than I am. <laughs> I don't know how, why she puts up with me. Hey, the it's weather's like, yeah. supposed to be better, so. Quinn's like, yes, Reed. It takes you, uh, you know, the thing is, like, Quinn and I will both have a, a shot that's 250 yards away from the tee. She got there in one swing. I got there in three swings. That's usually how it goes. All right. Uh, again, happy to hear from you. 780-496-0063. You can call on your cell phone or on your uh, rotary phone. That operates uh, as well. Ken Holland, the GM of the Edmonton Oilers, extensive comments today. We've pared it down for you. Uh, he did He did talk for a long time. A lot of it was uh, sort of on the same theme about uh, building a program and uh, relating his current situation back to some uh, decisions that he made when he was with Detroit and, uh, you know, just trying to support the uh, the core players on the team, you know, the nurses and the dry settles and McDade, well, not – I guess there aren't many of them, the uh, the ones that they have. And, and he, he touched on this. I mean, I'll get to the phone, the, the phone calls here in a second. But we, we know that they need support skill-wise. I, I mean, you'd like a couple more guys at least that could score. And, and maybe as much as we love what Darnell Nurse did playing 62 minutes in a triple overtime game, it'd be great if somebody else could have handled all those minutes instead of having two defensemen stapled to the bench. So, yes, they need support skill-wise and all that kind of stuff. But Mike Fuda was on the show yesterday. He's now with Sportsnet. He was a, a long time in the front office uh, with the LA Kings in scouting, and then he was the assistant general manager. And he said that when the Kings won those Stanley Cups, he said, you know, we had 11 or 12 guys that were captain material, that were leaders and could help shoulder the load from the guys who were actually wearing the letters and who were steadying influences. And he's, he thinks that's one thing the Oilers could use. He, he thinks McDavid is a great captain and a great person, and he likes the other guys, but he said, man, you could still use just more people like that in the dressing room. And Holland had this to say about adding experience as support. You know, obviously our, our, our expectations, our aspirations are to compete for the Stanley Cup. We've got, a, we've got, a, we've got some... some, some you know, wonderful players, and they're they're just coming into the prime of their 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 careers. Um, and certainly, I can't support them with a whole bunch of twenty and twenty one year olds. It's got to be we want to have some twenty one and twenty one twenty two year olds on our team because they're going to grow into. We believe where they're going to grow into players as part of the solution. But you also need those veteran players that have been there before um and you know they they they've been in those situations they've got experience so i think he would like to add some older players who have who have been through some playoff battles i think mike smith helped in that regard it's maybe a little different when the position is the goaltender you know, Mike Fuda yesterday on the show referenced Thornton and Spezza going to the Maple Leafs, even Wayne Simmons, how how that can help. Those are depth guys. They don't have to be the stars, but they've been through it. They know what it's like. They know what it's like to be the person getting all the attention. They can help Matthews and Marner with that. And I'm not saying McDavid or Drysaddle or Nurse or those guys are weak in those areas. I'm just saying the more the merrier. If, if you got other guys who are, are steady and have those leadership qualities, it can't hurt. But again, to get back to the point, 
I, I was making in the first half hour of the show, the Oilers need that. Other teams in similar situations to the Oilers need that. And that's why it's now hard to take that final step because you're competing for the same type of players that other teams want. When the Oilers were crappy, they needed to upgrade almost every position. So you're going to, you, you know, you're going to get somebody when you trade or, or free a free agent, you know, like if, if you need everything, well, you're going to get something. Uh, now they need some very specific things. And I think that's why it's even more challenging. Okay. Brian is on the line. Brian, thanks a lot for calling. Hey, Reed. Uh, good talking to you again. It's been a little bit, but um, you know what? First off, I'd like to, uh, I'd like to apologize to Ethan Bear on behalf of all the non-ignorant Oilers fans. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think that's so, so disgusting. But, um, you know, so, so there's that. Uh, I think Ken Holland's going to have a really busy summer this, this year. I tend to agree with you that I, I'm thinking five, you know, six players like you, um, you know, uh, one, goal, one goalie, two defensemen, three forwards. But, um, you know, I, I hope nobody, I, as, as big a, def- a disappointment as it is, uh, that the playoffs were, you know, I think people have to also look at the the good aspects that did transpire this year, and you know, and and the growth that the team has shown. W- would you not say the same? Oh, I would say the same, and I'll also say this, Brian, before I let you finish. the The weaknesses that the Oilers have do not change for me because of the playoff result. I knew what they were going into that series. And even if they'd beaten Winnipeg and then probably lost to Toronto, let's be honest, we'd still be having the same discussion. We just would have been having it on June 12th instead of May 26th. That's what I think. Well, we've we've been questioning, you know, uh, like all three positions since probably almost day one of this season. So I, I would tend to agree. I'm not. I'm not basing what I'm saying on the playoffs either. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think Mike Smith. Uh, you know, damn, I really do. I really do hope he gets some votes for the Vesna this year because, you know, uh, you know the Oilers. I I truly believe the Oilers would not have had the season they had without you know what Mike Smith uh, how the way he performed this year, but. Um, but you know, I again, you know, I would uh, tend to think that uh, we're probably going to see you know one or two acquisitions through free agency. Um, I'm going to make a prediction. I, I I tend to think that Barry won't be here next year, Koskinen won't be here next year, uh, and I'm also thinking Neil and Chase on potentially won't be here this year either. Uh, you know, I feel you know with Toronto, Toronto got two. Uh, two veterans in Thornton and, and Simmons, but they're they're veterans to the point where they're great leaders on and off the ice, and you know they they they've got a lot of grit. We've got some veterans, you know, in Neil and Chase on, but not a lot of grit. Yeah, I, I uh, Neil might be bought out. Chase on's a UFA. Thanks for the call, Brian. I I, I too am leaning towards Barry. Uh, not being back. Bob asked Ken Holland about the goaltenders. It it sounded like he'd be comfortable with Smith and Koskinen coming back. Um, don't forget about Alex Stalock. I mean, he hasn't played in a while, but it's not as if he's a, a scrap heap goaltender either. 
Um, but certainly it sounds like Mike's, they're going to make a lot of efforts to re-sign Mike Smith. 780-496-0063. Craig has called in as well. Good evening, Craig. How are you doing, Reed? Quite well. Um, my my condolences to uh, the comments made towards Ethan Bear. Um, if you're an Oilers fan, and those are the kind of things that you have to say, I'm ashamed to call myself one. And I've been one since 79. Shake that off, kid. Keep up the good work. Next year's right around the corner. Yeah, and I'm gonna we're we're, we're gonna play what he said a little bit later on. Jay Lynn played it just before my show started, so I wanted to leave a little bit of time before I played it again. But we, we'll get to that for sure. What else is on your mind, Craig? Um, just shake it off, guys. Like uh, we're still in the Peter Shirelli, um era of some of the stuff he did in the past. You know, number 16, number 32, <laughs> draft picks. Huh? And those guys are doing well. We'll get through this, guys. Let's just okay. hang in there and, and keep cheering. Right on. Okay, thanks, Craig. Good stuff. That's Craig at 780-496-0063. I want to get to a, a clip here. My buddy Kelly Moore at CJOB in Winnipeg uh, brought to my attention today. And I realized the Winnipeg Jets probably aren't so popular. Well, actually, I don't know if they are. I wonder if people will, will cheer for, still cheer for the Jets against the Leafs because I think it is going to be that series. We'll get more into that maybe later on, maybe later on in the week. We'll maybe wait till the Leafs actually eliminate the Canadians, though I do think it's imminent. Um, Paul Maurice, the head coach of the Winnipeg Jets, was asked today by Kelly Moore about Nurse's 62 minutes of ice time in the triple overtime game and then getting back to Edmonton and becoming a father. So he would be the guy maybe in the series that, that that we talked about a fair amount, but maybe he doesn't get the recognition that he deserves. I think the biggest one, I think we got into a double overtime game against Boston, and Ray Bork had played 42 minutes in that game, and I couldn't believe it. So when we get off the bench in between periods, and I think he's already at 45, I'm thinking how much, I, mean, I think he had about a four-and-a-half-minute shift in the game. And, and, and you're, I mean, you're almost punch drunk on the bench and you're thinking did I miss him coming off the ice because he's still out there he's the, and I'm looking anyway he's a special athlete like like to be able to continue and he was still bringing the puck and he was still going back and touching it first um he had a just an incredibly impressive series the development of that guy kind of under the radar into you if you're playing that many minutes I mean, you're, you're now in the Norris Trophy conversation for sure, in my mind, with the numbers that he put up this year. He's, he's a brilliant player. I guess the truth of it is I always thought that he's going to wear down at some point, and I never actually saw that, right? Um, and congratulations to the Nurse family on, on the addition. Uh, outstanding. All right, so there you hear it from uh, an experienced NHL coach, what uh, he thinks of Darnell Nurse and his performance in that series against the Winnipeg Jets, specifically 62 minutes in the triple overtime game. Almost halfway through the third period, Islanders have the Penguins on the ropes. It's 5-3 as the Islanders look to advance. We'll keep you updated. More from Ken Holland, and uh, we'll get to the uh, Ethan Bear remarks today as well. Inside Sports on Chet. Speaking of James Steele, not sure what his future is going to be with the Edmonton Oilers. Got into a couple of playoff games and then was uh, taken out for the two games in Winnipeg. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Kelly Rudy coming up 
in the second hour of the show. Uh, more time for your phone calls, and we'll keep running through some of the key comments made by Oilers GM Ken Holland today. Jim Matheson, Hockey Hall of Fame writer with Post Media, had a question for Holland today. And Mike Smith, you're going to resign Mike Smith? Yeah, I, yeah yes, I, I, I want to I talk. I, Mike's going to uh, Kelowna. Uh, he's left. He's gone to Kelowna. You know, I, I, I've got a place in Vernon. I told Mike we'll get together here in the next, uh, when I get out there probably 10 days, two weeks from now, and I'll get together. I'll talk to his agent. But, yes, uh, I do want to re-sign Mike Smith. I do want to re-sign Mike Smith. There's the comment. Uh, Mike Smith didn't uh, make any commitments about his future yesterday. Basically just said that he'd been away from his family all season. Time to reconnect with them. Very, very dedicated player. Important player for the Oilers. I I referenced it earlier. I do think his leadership helped. I I think you need some of that from maybe uh, a non-goaltender. As you move forward, yes, I, I, I don't even need you to, to call me or message me. I, I hear the questions about his age. He's going to turn 40 in March. And again, I think one of those six players that the Oilers need to become an elite team is going to be a long-term high-end goaltender. So that's not Mike Smith. He had a high-end season. Koskinen was mostly good when he was only the backup and playing about every fourth game though unfortunately he had a couple of stinky starts late in the season we'll see where Alex Stalock figures in but I I would think Smith can probably come back for uh, for another year all right we had a couple phone calls about Ethan Bear I'm sure you've you've heard that story I referenced it on the show last night because it kind of started breaking during the show Ethan Bear's girlfriend posted that uh, Ethan Bear was getting some pretty nasty racist comments after the Oilers were bounced out of the playoffs, these these uh, remarks coming in on social media, and as uh, as Craig called in and said, that's you know, it doesn't doesn't represent Oilers fans. Unfortunately, some uh, some angry, mean people making those comments. Ethan Bear made a statement on the Oilers Twitter account this afternoon. Hello, everyone. It's Ethan Bear here in Rogers Place, on Tree Six territory, home of the Edmonton Oilers. We just came off a hard-fought series. We didn't get the result we wanted, but the guys all left it all on the line. As you've known, I've been subject to racist behavior on social media, and I know this doesn't represent all Oilers fans or hockey fans, and I greatly appreciate your support and your love during this time. I'm here to stand up to this behavior, to these comments. I'm proud of where I come from. I'm proud to be from Ochapo's First Nation. And I'm not just doing this for myself. I'm doing this for all people of color. I'm doing this for the next generation, to help make change, to love one another, to support one another, to be kind to each other. There's no place for racism in in our communities, in sports, or in our workplace. So I call on all of us to help make change and to end racism. We all deserve to be treated fairly. And at the end of the day, I think we'll get there. Well, very well said by Ethan Bear. Good for him for stepping up and doing that. And the, the response from oil country, from the hockey world in general, has been a supportive one, has been the right one. And uh, maybe it's not happening as quickly as we would like, but hopefully some of these uh, attitudes and people who make these remarks are uh, going to go away for sure. We got to do the news and weather. Kelly Rudy's coming up. More from Ken Holland. More from you. 780-496-0063. Inside Sports on Chet.
630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.